Jamaica, which is very close to Kew Gardens. It was considered um, having a HVI index of five, while Kew Gardens had one of one. And it just seemed like the disparity was pretty extreme, considering that they're only a mile apart, which kind of led me to think that this was connected to like the demographic makeup of these neighborhoods and um, the earlier decisions that were made with regards to where parks were placed based on um, who was living where. Hey, this is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm your host, Amber Castillo. The exhibition Heat Maps Queens, now on view through January at the local NY, takes a unique approach to highlight the effects of the climate crisis. Using a technique known as durational painting, Queens-based artist and Epicenter NYC co-founder Nitin Mukul has captured the essence of neighborhoods like East Elmhurst, Corona, Jamaica, and Hollis, which have been identified as high-risk areas on the Heat Vulnerability Index. His work shows the ongoing struggle these communities face due to the insufficient green spaces and systemic issues in urban planning. Today, Nathan and I explore how this work is more than just art. It's a catalyst for change, shedding light on the inequities faced by New Yorkers. This project was supported by a grant for Queens-based artists from the New York Foundation for the Arts. Hey, I'm Nitin Mukul. I'm the creative director and co-founder of Epicenter. So outside of Epicenter, I've worked for many years as um, a fine artist, a painter, and a designer. You've also done a bunch of activist work uh, around and around Queens, around the city. Could you speak to some of that? A lot of my, I guess what you would call activist work, and I kind of see as uh, community engagement has happened in Queens and Jackson Heights, mostly dating back to around 2012 when uh, Diversity Plaza was formed by the former councilman of our district, Danny Drum. I sort of became uh, a steward of Diversity Plaza with three other people, including uh, Shaker Krishnan, who's now the current councilman. Yeah, I guess a lot of my activism just was creating like a better space and a welcoming space for um, people in the community. What got you involved in that, in in parks specifically? I guess I've always kind of uh, been drawn to parks and woods and maybe growing up in uh, Western Massachusetts gave me a sort of affinity for outdoor space. And as much as I like the city, I kind of like to see uh, that balance. Yeah, I actually, I think I, I spoke to one of your childhood friends who um, was close or, or you were neighbors uh, in Massachusetts. I met her at your art exhibition. Could you speak a bit about that exhibition? Yeah, so the current exhibition is called Queen's Heat Maps, and uh, it's basically a continuation of uh, a technique that I pioneered, which I eventually coined as durational painting. Uh, I started making those pieces uh, during the years that I lived in India, um, which would be around 2008 is when I made the first one. And uh, at that point, I just had the idea to freeze paint and water 
in a container and then build up a painting on it and then bring it outside and film it melting. And I guess uh, the impetus for that being in India came from the temperature being around 108. So in the end, what I come out with is a video because the painting disintegrates and I um, record that process of the disintegration. And I also record and document the atmospheric conditions like the time of day, the date, the year, the temperature outside, the weather. And were these done in a diverse set of conditions? So I've made them all over the place. Like I said, I made the first one in India and um, some interesting ones uh, were made in LA where I actually shot some at dawn and dusk, which had a very cool effect because basically all the light all the lighting on these pieces comes from natural light outside, not from any sort of art, artificial light source. For this specific project, this was specific to Queens and uh, specific to locations considered high-risk neighborhoods on uh, the city's interactive map of uh, the heat vulnerability index. How did you come up with this idea of representing these heat-vulnerable locations in this way? I mean, the durational painting, like I said, the documentation of the atmospheric conditions, there was already that kind of process of engaging with the atmospheric conditions and that climate and really thinking about, okay, like what's happening in the climate right now and having that sort of recorded and register on these abstract paintings and register in the way that you experience them because the process of it disintegrating is directly related to the atmospheric conditions that are affecting it while it's being filmed. So it was sort of, an uh, I'd say, a pretty natural extension of that sort of concept that lent itself to trying to highlight neighborhoods that were at high risk and uh, and they were at high risk theoretically because of green space inequity and access to cooling technology and places that you don't have green space. That means you just have essentially lots of pavement and concrete, which retains heat and, um, and creates these um, conditions. When you were looking at that heat vulnerability index, was there any neighborhood that was on there as most vulnerable or most high risk that surprised you? Or was, was there any fact in there that surprised you? Like maybe a not knowing a neighborhood might be vulnerable, but not to the extent that it was. I mean, what was not surprising was one that's very close to where I live east in East Elmhurst, which is basically if you were to walk a straight line from Jackson Heights to LaGuardia, once you're within like a block or two of LaGuardia and Rikers Island is actually very close by to there, that was this neighborhood in, in this small area in East Elmhurst. But in, another thing that was very interesting was Jamaica, which is very close to Kew Gardens. Kew Gardens is only, you know, about a mile away, yet it was considered um, having a, a HVI index of five, while Kew Gardens had one of one. And it just seemed like the disparity was pretty extreme, considering that they're only a mile apart, which kind of led me to think that this was connected to like the demographic makeup of these neighborhoods and um, the earlier 
decisions that were made with regards to where parks were placed based on um, who was living where. Could you speak about why this issue is so important to you and why other people who maybe don't live in these neighborhoods, why they should care? I mean, part of the same reason that I'm involved with Diversity Plaza and um, and why would I care about a neighborhood that I don't live in is because I kind of like just care about the general well-being of the community at large. That's an extension of kind of why we started Epicenter also and why we do a lot of the things we do. And is there anything specific you would want listeners to, to know or, or to do about heat inequities? I would say just to be aware aware of the issues around it. And if they, there's any way that they think they can contribute to negating the effects of it, wherever they happen to live, even small adjustments can have impact. At the opening of your exhibition, um, some of your fans had, just going back to, to the process and to durational painting, some of your fans had expressed awe. Um, you know, they, they had talked to me about just how diverse your body of work is. So I'm, I'm curious about what drives you to engage in so many different artistic mediums and on so many different issues. I'm really interested in painting in general and, and just where painting can go and where it's been. And I kind of feel like all the work I make, whether it's on canvas or whether it's um, durational painting, is kind of all connected to the practice of painting in general and like kind of philosophical and formal concerns around it. And, you know, for viewers who might not feel as connected to a community or, or to that mission necessarily who are visiting or, or might want to visit this exhibition, like what are you hoping for them to take away from it? You know, I, I kind of hope that like they will be able to experience through like abstract art, which I think is is a pretty unique way of understanding what's happening in our climate in a tangible way other than you know just if you don't live somewhere that's experiencing like a heat or a climate related disaster whether it's a flood or extreme heat or extreme snow and also if you're not someone who looks at art all the time or doesn't necessarily get what abstract art is doing or meant to do you can kind of get a sense of both of those things in a tangible way through the experience of this work I kind of feel like when you're watching my pieces, you're kind of seeing like what could be happening in a, a geologic space, but they also look kind of like satellite imagery. So even like kind of what's happening in the universe and it sort of becomes like a metaphor for something that's happening so gradually that when you look at it at first, it looks like a static image. But if you come back 10 minutes later and look at the piece, it's changed entirely. And that's why I call it durational. It's because you have to like actually spend the time, whether it's a, a 10 minute piece or a 15 minute piece, or I've made pieces that are 70 minutes long. If you don't spend the time with it, you're not going to get it right. And um, I think that's also a symptom of our culture now is how short our attention spans have become, that it can seem very daunting to uh, watch something for half an hour that appears to be a static image at first. Have you 
found a change in yourself as you're working on these durational paintings in your own sense of the passing of time or in your patience with it? I mean, I think if you spend enough time looking at art and looking at paintings, they're, they're like, they can be very rewarding because you're basically like, unlike a photograph, you're looking at something that was not made in an instant. It, it was made over many, many hours of labor and visits. So in a way, like the task of sitting through a durational painting is very, you know, it relates to the process of making a painting, which takes time. And when you sit, when you sit and you spend time with a painting, which is not a video, but which is just an actual canvas, it reveals that process as well. So I think um, in a way it can um, sort of show you a path to how you can spend time with like a, a completely static image, like a canvas as well, and how it can reveal um, details about its making. NYC Council member Shekhar Krishnan, chair of the Committee on Parks and Recreation, recently praised Nitin's work with Heat Maps Queens, noting its significance in highlighting the need for more green spaces and trees in New York City. You can see it through the end of the month at the local NY. For details, check the links in our show notes. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. For more stories like this, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenter-nyc.com. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Caravica. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.